0: Hello and welcome to the latest installment of the Powder Blue podcast. JT Real Muto, still not signed. That's going to drive our conversation this week as we get started. Frank Close here along with Jeff Mosher and Hunter Brody. Hunter how about Brody, that? how are you? How
1: about that? I made an appearance. Isn't that crazy? Still got my <laughs> so, coffee. Nothing has changed.
0: So I, I assume now you're all moved into your house and everything is wonderful, the new homeowner?
1: Oh, everything is wonderful, except for the fact that we got a nice basement leak from the whole storm that happened on last Friday. So here I am with the shop vac running to Lowe's, you know, the homeowner stuff.
2: <sighs> How's your week been, Jeff? Better than Hunter's, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, the yeah, stuff probably... that Hunter's going through now, I've been through already, uh, being a homeowner for over a decade, yeah, so I that, feel I his made, pain.
1: I made my coffee this morning. I go to get it. I Did I not put the the actual glass back into where the coffee It just ran all through my cabinets and all underneath the tabletop. I didn't put the coffee cup thing
2: back in oh, there, man. so
1: I made it into nothing. It's been <laughs> one hell of a, <laughs> a couple of days stretch for me.
2: The man gets engaged, buys a house, and then all of a sudden his faculties are completely <laughs> eluding ev- him, which is a pretty good micro—that should be a good foreshadowing for the rest of his life. So, uh Congratulations to you, though, Hunter. No, that's wait. good. Uh, <laughs> but I'm glad I'll you tell you time. guys, I, I'm sorry. I, I was to say, you ask how I'm doing. I, I'm way more optimistic than probably I've been in past podcasts as we talk about sports returning, baseball returning. I'm still not there with the NFL yet, but I've always said whoever goes first, and it really wound up being golf, but um, we'll start to show us the way. And I, I, I feel like. Over the last week, guys, that the fact that you haven't seen a rash of guys testing positive and the ones that have like a role as Chapman recently, you know, they're they're getting their quarantine, they're getting their isolation, and and you haven't seen this week any teams have to shut down their practices like the mm. Astros did last week. And who was the other team that did that? It was the Astros and somebody else. Was that because they actually Nationals, tested
1: positive or was that Nationals. because some sort of not getting their tests back on time or something? It was weird testing like delays. That.
0: Yeah. Right. So they're yeah, testing there was a, delays. They they didn't get the results back, so they said, Okay, we can't play. Right.
2: Right. And I remember saying um, with you, Frank, last podcast, I'm like, okay, you know what? It was a holiday weekend. Baseball did announce that like 95 percent of the tests were back. It was just a small percent that got delayed. And let's not make a big deal of it. Not saying that the Astros and Nationals did anything wrong. Clearly, if they didn't have the information, the smart thing to do was not collaborate. But it didn't take long for them to get what they needed for people to get back. And we've had a smooth knock on wood week so far. So I'm starting to feel some positive vibes about good things happening with baseball and sports. Well, the Phillies have been taking
0: the field at Citizens Bank Park. They've been what they've been doing is playing some scrimmages, which are pretty interesting, <laughs> which <laughs> uh, which included an appearance of Bryce Harper at third base and and a bunch of coaches playing the field. So um, it, it's definitely like a uh, rec, rec league type game or a pickup game at the park. But <laughs> how about but the Phillies are
1: nap? going yard on spencer howard Uh that scares uh me a little bit we might have to hold back on spencer howard i mean you can't be getting rocked but
0: well here's (laughs) the here's the here's the funny thing right so like how much are you going to put put stock into these games right so so if the player you don't like hits andrew knapp hits a home run off a player that you like and think highly of does it mean the pitcher
1: sucks or does it mean andrew knapp is good oh it means the pitcher probably sucks No, is good as ever coming out of my mouth. No, I'm just having wow, fun. Wow, you're
2: really making up for two <laughs> weeks of no hot takes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm just having some fun, right? We got to spice it up a bit.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I know. It's a good question, though. I mean, how much, like already, when we, when, we look, when we look at real spring training, the stuff that happens in March and April, there's only so much you put into it, right? But now, what do you put into summer training? In my opinion, these guys are just trying to get in shape get their rhythm down, get their timing down, unless you really start to see, like, let's say Spencer Howard, you know, all of a sudden every other night time he's pitching, he's given up, you know, meatballs to, uh, you know, backup catchers and backup infielders and outfielders, then we'll get, get concerned. But right now, I just think the whole point is get yourself in shape, get yourself ready the best that you can. And unfortunately, <laughs> because you really can't afford a slow start, I do think week one, two of this actual – Series will, or season will be more of a uh, guys getting really into into game readiness.
1: Well, let me ask you this: because Nick Pavetta had a slow start, and he's someone who has done this for so many years now, are we allowed to put stock in him having a bad outing? Because we've kind of seen it already so many times.
0: That's a great question. That's a great question. I, you know, I, I think for a lot of these these players, you got to go by past performance too, right? I mean, like, is is the person on the up and up, or is he sort of? I mean, he, he can't prove himself in something like this. Right. I mean, there's no game action whatsoever. So I guess you got to go back to March, look at the tape and, and let's face it. You got to use Nick Pavetta this year. I mean, you have to use Vince Velasquez. You have to use what you have. I mean, that's, that's, that's going to be the reality of, of the 2020 season. Right. So, right. Um. So he's going to, he's going to write his ticket for the future, probably once the season starts.
2: But the question is what what does Joe Girardi use as his measuring stick to determine when when it gets real, you know, a week before the season starts. All right. Well, I know Noah's going to be number one. I know my uh, number two is going to be Zach Wheeler, assuming he's still with the team. And I know that Jake area is my number three. But what is, if I'm Joe Girardi, what am I using to determine who's going to be my four or five? Is it going to be quote unquote performance in these summer training camps? Or is it going to be, as you just alluded to Frank past history, is it going to be a combination of both or is Joe just going to say, I don't really have strength here as far as proven commodities between Pavetta, Eflin, Spencer, uh, yeah, Howard, all these guys, and I'm going to rotate them anyway, so it really doesn't matter. I'm just going to probably go with a little bit of experience right now over youth. I you don't know.
0: I think Eflin is definitely in. So th- yeah. I think the the question will be when's when's Wheeler going to have his baby, and and when does he come back? I mean that's gonna that's gonna play a lot into this. You're probably going to need Velasquez and Padetta, at least for a while. Uh, you know Wheeler was expressing some doubt about playing the season, but you know things things are settling in okay. Hopefully, you know all the players that had COVID coming into camp, they seem to be recovering. Uh, we got, most of them are are back. Most of them. You know, Adam, of course, Adam Hastley's lost test that turns out to be nothing. <laughs> uh, you know they're back, and so maybe, maybe maybe if things are going well, he feels better things about things and is able to come back. So, um, what about Norris? Is he back with the back. team? Yep. No, he's back. He is, right? okay, right. Yeah, I mean the the, yeah. the only the only seeming lingering effect from any of that was Scott Kingery saying he's still a little short of breath at times. So, um, so we'll have to see what what that that does for the team, but. But yeah, but really, it's it's kind of settling in, and and between now and then, you don't know what's going to happen. So, I, I think for a lot of teams, it'll just be all right. Here are here are thirty players. We're going to have sixteen pitchers, and and try to try to piece this together.
1: Yeah, the fact that Nick Pavetta and Vince Velasquez were thrown into the starting rotation conversation we just had, oh, it's so annoying. It's unbelievable how much that annoys me. <sighs> we're having the same conversation. I swear to you. We have had this Nick pavetta Vince Velasquez conversation for the last what, 3 years. I am just yeah. so over it. It hurts.
2: How, how does <laughs> Eflin get like the free pass here as he doesn't get lumped into well, I think the other other I think band he, of underperformers or or inconsistent performers?
1: Cuz I think his I think I mean I would say he's just a little bit over them, just a tad, don't you think? Yeah, he showed, Yes, he but I think that, that validates
2: my point. If you're only a tad better than them, you're really in that group. I mean, Fair. I know we're talking about a fourth or a fifth guy here. So of course you're not getting, you know, Dwight Gooden in his prime. I understand that. I just feel like, I feel like he's such a given and the other two are just immediately kind of cast off as, oh gosh, but there's certainly nothing given about Zach Eflin.
1: No, that's fair. But I think if you look at the the top of all of these guys, I would hope to say that it's Nick Pavetta probably has the highest ceiling. But with Zach Eflin, he's more consistent with his ceiling to the point where he's throwing complete games in 2019. That never happened. So when he is efficient, it's definitely working. And you saw when he stopped listening to Chris Young, he went back to his old self and it was really good. So let's see what he can do with Price as the coach and see if that kind of gives him an extra boost. But I think that his ceiling is more consistent. And when he does play at that top level that he can play at, you, you just see that more than what you see out of the other guys.
0: And Price Price is a very reputable pitching coach. So he he, for years, highly respected. So uh, so hopefully he'll be able to make sure we know what Zach Eflin is for sure. Uh, but I, I I think Eflin showed enough promise that down the stretch, as you just said. So So especially when the others were way more inconsistent, clearly he's got to be your number four, but, but again, this, this, this is like uh you, you shake them all up in a bag and just pull out random numbers at this point, you know? So like uh, I think that's how it's going to be with the pitching for a while, especially if you're out, your you're, you're down Wheeler. Uh, Ranger Suarez, I really liked him in spring training, but Ranger Suarez is still not really active in camp. As far as I know, I haven't heard an update on him now. He may or may not be on the COVID list because they're not allowed to tell us.
1: And he, but he's just, all we
0: know is he's not there and he's on the
1: IL. <laughs> So, Do you think that's a little wonky? Like, what I, if I Bryce Harper doesn't play for two weeks in right field, and instead it's Nick Williams, but nobody knows why?
0: <laughs> well, I think what, very I think the idea is you'll just <laughs> kind of figure it out. I think that hey, actually Matt Clentax said to us just just that. He said, "Well, I can't tell you, but I think you're just going to kind of figure some of these out along the way <laughs> when they're just <laughs> not there and they're not. You know, that's the funny thing. They put them on the IL, but without an explanation. Normally, it's like right right groin strain. Well this just on the on the il silence so it's right. like all right i have to assume he has covid and and uh, go from there but but they are being super careful hopefully suarez is uh in a good good place i mean last year he was he was pretty solid swall- pretty solid uh, you know um his first 37 appearances last year six in one with a 314 era uh that was as a reliever so but you know he, he showed some some promise in camp did as he a start starter at
1: all and, last year. I know the year before he started a couple games, right? Yeah. He, he I, was did, he a spot starter. Yeah.
2: So he was,
0: games? he was somebody that was one of those guys that was kind of a stretch to put them in the major leagues, but the Phillies had no choice, you know? I mean, it wasn't, right. it, you know, he was kind of thrown in there at, at a bad time, which wasn't really fair. So no, he didn't start last year, but, um, but he does have three major league starts along those lines. So, but, but, he, but he he looked really, really good as a reliever. I, I will say, during some of the darkest days of the 2019 season, he was the one guy that stepped up in that bullpen. I say darkest days, right? Because there was a while. You didn't know what you were going to oh get God. out of anybody, right? I mean, it was like Hector Neris and then a bunch of guys.
2: I don't know. John Middleton told us that like in September, the Phillies bullpen was one of the greatest ones in Major League Baseball, and we should all be thinking about that instead of some of the trials and tribulations that the team went through. Yeah, they were so the great the that year. they cut
0: Mike Moran. They didn't bring back <laughs> right. a, um Jared Hughes, they didn't bring back. Who was the other one? Uh Blake Parker was yep, only Blake a Parker. minor league invite. Yep. Like those three, <laughs> those three guys they picked up really was the Phillies bullpen down the well, stretch. That actually, but
1: yeah, I was just gonna say it's interesting you bring up John Middleton because you know a lot of people dislike Matt Clentak in this area, and I don't like Matt Clentak that much, but it just seems like all these moves that he's either making or not making. It really is John Middleton, no? I mean, the fact that JT Romuto isn't signed isn't Matt Klintak not figuring it out. It's John Middleton trying to figure this thing out. So, I always laugh at this whole narrative that Matt Klintak is this horrible GM. Now, I do lean towards not liking him, but with all these moves that they are mad at him for, doesn't that seem like it's more John Middleton than Klintak? Klintak's just the middleman at this point.
0: Well, this... Most people generally believe that the Phillies tried to stay under the luxury tax this year. So, so I guess that kind of comes from, from the top, you know, I guess you get the green light. I think if everything had gone according to plan, you know, the idea would have been stay under the tax, see how well you're doing. And then in July, if there's an opportunity to add some money and because it's a really good player, that'll help put you over the edge. Sure. But obviously that strategy is sort of, out of it at the moment. It'd be very interesting too to see like how how I I think the rule is that you still go over the luxury tax based on the salaries you agreed to. So I think this is going to be
2: really tricky year. So um wouldn't you say though that that Frank that clintac does have an involvement as far as you know John John knows baseball, but he hires people like McPhail and Clintak to not just put together a team but to analyze the trends, to analyze the salaries, and to make what's realistic versus what's not realistic crystal clear to an owner who's maybe not as familiar with that. So I think what Matt has to do, and maybe what, what's the disconnect here, is you know projection, the, the market, what a catcher should make, what a catcher will make. And it's easy for Middleton to just say, blank check, whatever, but I don't think he wants to do that for everybody. He's probably more willing to do that for a superstar like Bryce Harper, than someone who is the best catcher in baseball, which no matter as great as that is, it does not make you a superstar. Um, he's a great player. He's not a superstar. And I'm not trying to take anything away from him. I'm talking about more from a marketing, like household name standpoint, a million people, everybody in baseball knows who, who Bryce Harper is. Does everybody know who JT Realmuto is and what he's great at? I don't know. I don't, I, I would say no. And so that's where I think, Middleton looks to Klintak to tell me, what is the market? What is the point that I should pay? And even if I'm willing to overpay because he's our guy and we traded for him, what is that overpayment compared to what he's asking for? So I don't think that – I understand that Middleton does eventually have the yes or no and will make that decision, but I don't think it makes Clentac completely a middle, a useless puppet in this operation. I think his job is to deliver to Middleton all the information for them to be able to make that decision. No, let me very ask you, fair. Very fair.
0: But let me ask you this, guys. Uh, maybe Hunter, you you go first. How can you make a decision on what to pay somebody in the middle of this pandemic? You're losing money. Revenues are down. Even if even if they're paying them their prorated amount this year, any losses probably spill into the operating cash in the future years. Like. What effect is this going to have on free agency, Hunter?
1: Oh, this free agency class, I think, is going to get screwed over. Sadly, they are. You look at other players outside of JT Romuto, someone like Mookie Betts, he's still going to get a lot of money at the end of the day, but he might lose out on $100 million or so that he would have got if this never happened. I used to sit here and say, you got to sign JT. You gave up Sixto Sanchez. No matter what, you got to find a way to sign him. And I do think the Phillies will sign him at one point. But I'm not going to sit here and, and say, hey, $23 million during a pandemic is what he deserves. He's a good hitter. I know that we all talk about how great he is at hitting, and maybe he can play DH once he hits the back end of this 30- to 36-year-old window of maybe what this contract could be. He's like, let's say 270 or so, just ballpark it. I think we look at him as this great hitter, but you got to value, he's a great hitter for his position, like to get 270 hitting out of the catcher spot is awesome, to get 270 hitting in general, I think it's viewed differently, so if he's no longer catching, I don't think he adds as much value at the plate than he did when he was catching, and that age of 30 to 36, it scares me, I don't know, I don't know how to approach this, like Are other teams willing to spend that much money on guys? Because if the Phillies aren't, there's plenty of other teams out there that aren't willing to spend $23 million for a catcher in that age range during a pandemic. So I think this is totally going to hurt JT, and there's a chance he hits the market trying to get that much and then realizes that he won't, and I think it leans that way, and then maybe the Phillies
2: snag him there. Well, I would think that that's part of their strategy, to be honest with you, and it may may not be right, but – it may just be that Middleton is very willing to pay whatever the, the market value is, but let's determine what that market value is by letting him hit the market, and then they can come back to us. But the, the risk is always in that regard that he says, well, screw it. I'm going to sign with somebody else for the same amount of money or even a little bit less because they're showing me more love in, in, in a recruitment package. And if that's the case, that's the case. I do think that the whole like you gave up this for him so you have to sign him is a little bit overdone because if he walks don't you get i don't know did do they did they change it they, based they on the
0: recent there was a proposal the players kind of wanted there to be no qualifying offers this year but right. since they never came to an agreement the qualifying offer is still a thing going forward well here's All a right. crazy so then, scenario so then the
2: phillies would get compensation if he were to leave yeah, they I mean nobody wants pick, that. But but, yeah. Well,
1: here's a crazy scenario. What if? And I know it's this is a crazy what if considering how many games are in this season. But if they're that far out of it, is it possible you trade JT Realmuto at the deadline? Are other teams even willing to do that? The Phillies would really need to be out of it at that point if they know they're not going to resign him. Do you get some sort of compensation back?
0: Hey, I think that's a very good question you ask. And and actually, uh, I, someone did write about that on sportstalkphilly.com, uh, Matt Sosporsky. Uh, You know, he actually brought the idea. Like, do you try to get some of that capital back? I mean, let's face it. This this season is going to be, well, I don't need to say it. It's gonna like anything else, but a month in, you have a trade deadline. And at that trade deadline, what if the Phillies, let's say Zach Wheeler is, is taking his uh, time with his child. He misses out some starts. Um, Nick Pavetta was a disaster. They're starting Eniel De Los Santos games and, and, the, and the Phillies get to the point where they say, all right, well, look, <laughs> we're, we're, we're five games out with a month to play. This is just not going to happen for us. So do you try to be proactive? I think one of the things that, that has failed the Phillies in the, in the past is that they've, they've been attached to players and they don't want to be proactive. And, um, you know, one example that, w- that was given in this piece I'm referencing was, you know, think back to a role as Chapman. The Yankees had him. They traded him
2: for Gleyber Torres. Got Gleyber Torres, <laughs> and what did God they man, do in the offseason?
0: They signed, they signed him right back. Now, you might could, see could that, that happen? With
1: Mookie Betts.
0: Yeah, that, that could happen with Mookie Betts. You know that, that that's a real possibility. You know when you when you have talent like this, you know, and 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 you have the money, like like like, how do you bring an influx of young talent? I mean, the Yankees are so happy they made that trade. Wouldn't you say? I would think so. I mean, it's funny because I
2: think the Cubs are probably pretty happy about it, too, because they won the World Series that year and they broke that long drought. They can't argue it either. But but in retrospect, it was was an unbelievable hoodwinking by the the Yankees. And not a hoodwinking, but I mean, they're playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers in that regard. Uh, And it was a smart deal. And I, I have always wondered if teams would look to copycat that type of approach, but not everybody can just get a guy back like that, like the Yankees can. I mean, yes, you can put out the money, but when you're the Phillies, you're always battling against those teams like the Yankees, the Red Sox, angels, whoever, and some teams with a little bit more esteem that you might lose that guy. So I, I think, I think the other way to look
0: at this too, is if you trade him, do you need to necessarily replace JT Realmuto with JT Romito? Do Does then maybe you say, all right, well, I traded him. Uh, should I go get in the conversation for Mookie Betts?
1: Well, yeah, that's that's a good point. I wasn't even thinking for someone like Mookie Betts, but I was just thinking in terms of a catcher. Like, you can't live with Andrew Knapp as your starting catcher for all of these games moving forward. So I'd be okay if JT walks, if they find something that can at least be decent at that position and then upgrade elsewhere. Yeah, and it's interesting. I was thinking to myself, if the if the value for Mookie Betts drops $100 million because of this COVID-19, is it possible the Phillies are now in play for someone like that? Who, realistically, you would have never been if this never all happened. But I do think, in the terms of the catcher position, you got to find some sort of backup plan outside of Andrew Knapp if you do move forward without JT.
0: And Mike Zudino is a free agent. I mean, he's a nice catcher. I mean, like you, you could get somebody like that. I mean, he, well, he's not, he's not a superstar, but you know, uh, he plays for the Rays, so you might not know much about him. But but he's a pretty nice player. He played in Seattle, plays in play, played last year in in uh in uh, Tampa Bay. So, you know, you could get somebody like him and then maybe try to move Davey Gruyan ahead a little bit.
2: I just wonder though uh, like how many games would the Phillies have to be out for them to want to trade JT because in a in a format like this, you mentioned 5 games out. I know you were just speaking hypothetically, but when you're playing division teams in 60% of your games, you know, a five game deficit can be erased fairly quickly. And you saw what the nationals did last year. I mean, coming back pretty, you know, with a hot late August and September, I'd almost be reluctant to make a move like that unless I was really, really far out. And I tend to think that it's going to be difficult for the Phillies and I, I hope I'm right to be that far out because they seemingly have enough talent to be able to hang. Although they do have that schedule playing the AL East is going to be not easy, but you know, look, there's Baltimore's in the AL East Toronto's no juggernaut. Hey, the uh, Phillies the will Marlins, be... so the Marlins just... stink, even though they beat the Phillies all the time. <laughs> yeah,
1: you to watch what you say. That's our know, right? opponent. Yeah. Corey right. Dickerson's
0: going to join up with uh, Jorge Alfaro to, to really beat up the Phillies. But, and Sean uh,
1: Rodriguez, right? Isn't he down in Miami? Sean no? Rodriguez is with the Marlins. You know, there's going to be a walk-off dinger off Nick Pavetta at some point. They should put all three <laughs> of
0: them in the, uh, in the, in the uh, starting lineup against the Phillies. But, um, but Chapman, though I just mentioned Derelius Chapman for that trade scenario. Well, he, he right now he's on the COVID list, and he might not even be there to face the Phillies that first week. The Phillies, well, the Phillies point. face the Yankees almost immediately, so they'll be down their closer, and it seems like everybody else is healthy. But you you don't you don't know how this is going to play out. I mean, you, you know, you could get there and Aaron Judge's timing's off because he hasn't faced much live pitching. You know, I mean, the Phillies could face the Yankees at the right time. So I don't know that I'd be so worried about the big bad scary AL East because. Ten games into the, excuse me, not even that. Seven games into the schedule, the Phillies are all be done with the Yankees, right? So I mean, it's it's uh it's it's not that right. scary.
1: Yeah, I'm much more Braves. fearful of the Marlins. The 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 <laughs> Braves too, though. I mean, Freddie Freeman is on the list. Nick Marcakis opted out, so there's a there's something happening in Atlanta too that might give the Phillies a little bit more positivity in terms of maybe you know coming out on top of the NL East. Yeah, and
0: the, you know what.
1: But again, not that that's who, positive. Just you know, to clarify, that is not who's a positive gonna, thing. I'm just saying, in general, for the Phillies to maybe be higher up, the Braves are no longer as good.
2: What do you think? Headline for the podcast, Brody. I wish every other team would get COVID. Oh come on! <laughs> come on!
1: I did not say that.
2: But you know, you it, it. But even a minor injury like
0: that—that's going to change a team. Like you know. It will. We talk about the oblique injury, which is which has plagued people like Roman Quinn over the years. But you, the only thing you could do with it is rest. You you gotta rest for four weeks. So somebody somebody could just have something like that, and if you're out four
2: weeks, guess what? You're out half the season. Yeah, that's. Big. I know. I think that that's that that throws a real um, monkey wrench, into, and I, and I said this, uh, Hunter, on a, either a podcast or two ago. I really think this format is going to favor. So, <laughs> and I'm gonna laugh about what I say in a minute, but it'll it'll favor some of the teams that have younger players and are trying to like build up like the Padres, I feel are a team to really be to mindful about. You know, they're young, they got a lot of energy, they can play a lot of games in a condensed short time without getting tired. You know, the Phillies to me are not that young. I mean, most of their players are, you know, you got McCutcheon, you got Harper, got Realmuto. Muto. These guys are not, you know, they're not necessarily old. Well McCutcheon is, but they're not they're not bursting with young talent. Um, but the Marlins are a team that is. And so you can see that being a little bit of a of – a ben- I don't want to say a beneficiary to them because they still have to prove themselves. But I do think of the Blue Jays, with all those prospects that they have, all the, the kids, the, the Legends sons, right? They have Guerrero. They have they've the got uh, Biggio. And they've got um, – who am I missing? Who's the other one? And Bichette, Bichette right. Bigeo, right. Th- that's Guerrero. a team that I feel like can ride that youthful exuberance and energy to some wins. So I, I, this would be the year if you're a Yankee fan, where you're like, man, I don't know if we can survive all these injuries like, like we have in the past because it's such a condensed uh, format and we have a lot of older players, but we'll we'll see.
0: Well, let's take a break. So when we come back, I, I still have some more to talk about JT real Muto. I think that this should have been expected from the beginning. We'll be back after this. Frank close, Jeff Mosher, Hunter Brody. This is the powder blue podcast. Welcome back to the Powder Blue podcast. Frank close here with Jeff Mosher and Hunter Brody. And Hunter is all moved into his new house and bailing water out of the basement, but we're happy to have him back this week. So, one thing I wanted to bring up that, that we didn't get into in the next segment is I'm, I'm thinking back upon JT Realmuto's history, right? Not just his history with the Phillies, but you kind of almost expect that his agent is going to play Hardball. Now, let me run through this, this, this sequence of events. And it makes you wonder if you, if if this should have been predictable from the start end of the 2017 season, he's got three years in the major leagues at that point. That's at three. He requests a trade from the Marlins right now, a young guy like that has no really no recourse, right? So, um, so he requests the trade comes back the next year. They, he went now, there's another wrinkle with that too. The first year he was eligible for arbitration he went to arbitration trying to get top dollar. Do you know what the result of that was? He did not get top dollar. No. Top he dollar. lost. He <laughs> right. lost. He lost. All right. So the first time he went to arbitration, he's fighting for top dollar. He's re- he's requesting a trade, but he loses that, right? So now th- think about that. Think ahead, because we know that's all kind of happened with the Phillies. The mm-hmm. following year, he ends up doing the same thing, except this time his agent is very vocal about it. And, you know, the, his agent, Jeff Berry, he says this at the beginning of the offseason. He says, JT has informed the Marlins ownership. He's informed their front office. He's not going to sign an extension in Miami. It makes sense when you have one of the more valuable trade assets in baseball to move him, period. So he's going on, his agents going on the media throughout the media. He's on MLB Network Radio saying, hey, he's trade this guy right now. And Saying things like, well, I think we will be definitely wearing a different uniform by the start of spring training. And guess what? The week before spring training last year, that's when the trade happened, right? It's like he he chipped away at them, bothered them, pushed, pushed, pushed. And then the Marlins said, all right, fine. The, the week before spring training, there he went. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is an agent playing hardball every step of the way. And, of course, he went to arbitration to try to get a record amount of money. JT Romito still gets a record amount of money in an arbitration case for a catcher. Shouldn't we have known that his agent is going to hold out for every last dollar?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the writing was on the wall. And I think they knew that when they traded for him. I mean, he's made it very clear in his last arbitration case that he wasn't just looking to, you know, make a good salary for him and his family, but he was trying to raised the 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 mark for catchers he was trying to make a statement about the catching position falling behind other positions as far as market salary um you're actually you know not to take everything to a different sport but in the NFL you're seeing that with tight ends and George Kittle with the 49ers he wants to be paid like a weapon not like a good tight end and hey, so for years
0: kickers were the cheapest thing in the whole world right
2: <laughs> there you go right so uh look he's got every right to do it uh you know i support players who want to use uh, their leverage and their power to to get the most for them doesn't mean that you're going to get it you know he lost that arbitration case so we'll see
1: yeah, I was thinking, like, what do you think is a fair number for him during this time? Like, if 23 was the number that we heard that was being reported for maybe six years, is it fair to say more like 17 is in play? Like, what do you think he would get in a market like this?
0: See, here's the thing. I think that – I know you mentioned Mookie Betts taking a hit a while ago. I tend to think that the star players are – going. you know, the teams, the teams that have money will be willing to give big money to the star players because I feel like that they can look down the road and say, this is a long-term commitment over time. We'll be fine. But what it does is it takes out the, the lesser teams, right? I mean, the Pittsburgh pirates aren't going to get involved in this. I mean, they wouldn't get involved in anybody. The Baltimore Orioles aren't going to get involved. Like the, the, the lower revenue teams won't be able to even talk at all, but what's but, but probably going to happen for bets and for real Muto you might have the Dodgers, the Angels, the, the the Yankees, the Red Sox, Phillies just saying, All right, well we're gonna we're gonna bring in the best talent that we can because we have the money and we can do it.
1: Well let me ask you and- this. Do you think that the whole negotiations process is going to affect the way that owners are willing to pay the players? You know that there's probably going to be a work stoppage in a couple years, right? Like, that's going to happen. So, do you think that these owners are kind of coming together going, look, let's not spend that big money on these players because they're still behind closed doors. They're going head-to-head with each other, and we all know that. They despise each other.
0: I think that I think they'll do it for the star. Like, I I think the middle reliever isn't going to make $8 million like Tommy Hunter got right. Like Pat Neshek got, you know, they, they were kind of inflated. They're, they're going to say to those types of players, well, no, we're not paying you a lot. I mean, with Cesar Hernandez, for example, is a free agent, right? I mean, he's a pretty good second baseman, right? Who's going to open up the checkbook with a lot of money for a pretty good second baseman when they can say, well, you know, I'll give a shot to this prospect. I think, I think, I think the Cesar Hernandez's and Mike Calfranco's in a year, like they're going to be the ones that are hurt by this, right? The types of players that are major league players may not be wonderful. I mean, certainly the Phillies thought that they could upgrade in both spots, but but they're just not going to pay those kind of guys. I feel like the I feel well, like the Real Mutos and Betzes, they're going to be the ones that ultimately are going to get big
2: money. I, I think it's hard with Real Muto because he's not uh Cesar Hernandez, but he's also not a Mookie Betts again it goes back to being the best catcher but what is the best catcher in baseball relative to the best players in baseball he's like upper middle class not elite Bryce Harper Mookie Betts right and so that makes his market to me a little bit fluctuant where that some team might be like like the Yankees are something, we need this type of player another team may be like mm, you know what we can get by and having an okay catcher not having to pay 25 million dollars a year I think the question that Hunter asked, though, about what his real worth is and how you do it contractually can only be answered by the Phillies and teams if you know exactly if the DH is going to be a part of the National League going forward. I think you'd you'd be more willing to give him a longer term deal if you're a National League team like the Phillies, if you know that you can DH him. Because that's a full time part of your team now, than you would if there's no DH.
0: But is it? But is it worth it though? Like as Hunter was saying a while ago, like you know, if you you would not probably sign J T. Romuto to that kind of money to play first base for you, right? You wouldn't sign him to that kind of well, money to be your designated hitter, right? No, be- I
2: didn't mean that as a full time DH because I agree he's not a good enough offensive player that you're. He's not big poppy like right? you're a full time DH. You know, you're not, not Edwin Encarnacion. But if you felt like he could in maybe two or three years start to split between catcher and DH and that he wasn't really a full-time DH until the last year or two of his deal. Then you feel more comfortable with it. I agree. He's not the type of player you want as a full-time DH. You just want that optionality. Uh, In the end though, I will say that I think that I would rather give him more money for fewer years. I don't think I'd be, in favor of anything beyond five years and you know call me scared by joe mauer contract that's fine i'm I'm willing to stick my hand up in the air and say i'm willing to 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 not resign him instead of having to resign for a lot of money and get the back end of joe mauer's career which was very very average i'm I'm starting to think
1: the same way go ahead frank
2: I'm just, just going to say, though, but that, that kind of brings up to the, the, the point you were
0: making a little while ago. Like, should the catching position be paid less because it's the catching position?
1: At this like, age, I know- yes. I would say it's because it, I was going to say if he was 27, guess what? I don't think we're even having this conversation, right? 27 to 32, <laughs> we're all in. But because it's yeah. thirty to thirty-six, he caught the most innings in baseball last year. Like those are the reasons why we are having this debate. So when it comes to the catcher position, it matters what age you are more so than say an Andrew McCutcheon.
0: Yeah, very very good point. But you know, going in that that you're starting catcher, especially as time goes on, right? You're talking about those years. He's not gonna, you know, he's not gonna catch one day a week, right? Mm-hmm. But that could become two days a week soon, right? So so you're. You,
2: the idea of the first is, base. I mean, do you think he could help you at first base for then, a third of the season? Then but I then think he might again, end up becomes.
0: Then, then who are you going to displace? You know what I mean? Like I mean, at least huh, now, I, don't think I mean
2: Hoskins is a sure thing right now. I mean, but for Alec
0: long-term. Boehm's got to go somewhere. That could be a part of the thing. I mean, in the in the short term, I think yeah, there's there's not a lot of space. It could work itself out later, but but the idea that the catcher should be like the best catcher in baseball should be paid as much as the best third baseman in baseball do you think that that's a fair s- a statement or is that is that you're burying apples and oranges
1: yeah i don't see it being the same thing because the issue with the catcher is the body just doesn't last as long and because you're behind right. the plate it it does change things so it might be unfair but it's a reality And I hate to break it to JT Romuto, but it's the difference. You are playing behind the plate when you're literally on your knees the whole entire game. That will totally destroy a career compared to third base where you're playing the hot corner. Now, I'm going
0: to bring up a name that that, uh, doesn't always bode well in Philly's history, but historically, this is a great example. Carlos Santana, right? He was a catcher. You know, they said your bat is too good to only be in the the game 80% of the time, so your bat move his bat being what it mm-hmm. was and actually he had a great 2019 all-star season phenomenal 2019 he was he went to first base he went to first right. base Gabe right? fault. <laughs> <laughs> but but you get my point right like real muto hasn't gotten to the point where his bat is so good that it's worthy of changing positions so so if you say well uh, you know if, if, if he makes the argument well I want to be paid the best like the third baseman is paid the best Well, you say to him go play third base then is that your skill set and right. if it's not, maybe that justifies a, a yeah. lower salary. I mean, what's yeah? What this
2: is- isn't the NBA, right? Like where player's skill set—you know—they're all. It's not that they're all playing the same position, but there is a lot more position versatility. And so, the best two guard and the best center can have the same kind of impact on team. This is more like the NFL, where the best running back—and I think running back is a good catcher um, comparison—because those guys wear down faster. The best running back is just not making the same as the best. Quarterback, because the quarterback's the most important player, and you know, in a, in a baseball team, your third baseman, your your out, your superstar hitter, those who play in the outfield, those are the guys who are your your ace pitcher, deservedly worth more money than the ancillary players. It's just the way it is.
0: So let's say let let's compare him to somebody like I don't know Chris Bryant, right? Like he, he you know he of course had his grievance. He was trying to become a free agent a little bit sooner, but. But when he has free agency, like what he's probably offensively, you might say he's kind of the type that might be real Muto-ish. I, I don't know. Is, well, is, that's, is that a good, a-
1: that's a good person to bring up because you talk about how you know teams might be willing to pay these superstars like Mookie Betts, Chris Bryant might be in the same situation as JT Real Muto where he's in that awkward spot. Like he's not a superstar, but he's in the upper class. Would he, I think normally in a normal world, he would get overpaid and the team would love to have him. But in this scenario, he might be stuck in that awkward spot where teams might be unwilling to pay a lot of money for him. Would you guys agree?
0: Yeah. I, I'm thinking like, I mean, there's no true comp for Realmuto given his situation. I mean, it, I, he's a name that kind of comes to mind.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, a, I mean, Chris Bryant does play third base. And so that automatically increases the value. I mean, he had a, a 39 home run season in, a, in his second year, even though he hasn't hit that since, I mean, he had 31 last year. I think, I think his, his the fact that he's a little bit better of an offensive player and a third baseman gives him a little bit more credence to hit it hit it bigger On free in free agency, then a guy, and again, in a position where he's probably not going to wear down as much as a guy who's playing catcher, who's not going to hit thirty nine home runs. So, if you if you then had to
0: reallocate the money you would have spent on, let's say, let's say they don't get it done and Romuto is going to go somewhere else, if you had to reallocate that money, so you you basically then would have the money in your pocket that you could pay a nice player, right? Mm -hmm. Like. uh, who, uh, we, Of course, Mookie Betts is going to be the cream of the crop next year, but there are some good names that are going to be free agents. George Springer is an example, uh, although a lot of people don't like him. Because <laughs> hey, he's the on extra my team
1: stuff. and there's no trash can bang and then we're good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but, uh, you know, Trevor Bauer, if they want to invest in a starting pitcher, I mean, Jake Arrieta's money's coming off the books, too. I mean, they could be in on a couple of these guys, right? So, um, you know, nobody's nobody's uh, the superstar level. that, that Would Trevor uh,
2: Bauer
1: move Betts the is, needle but... for you?
0: He's a nice player. I
1: think he's he would be like I'd be happy if he's your if, if he was where Arietta is right now in that rotation behind right. Wheeler. Then yeah, I would be okay with that. But if we didn't have Wheeler and he was the second signing and he was your second guy, I don't think I'd be cool with it.
0: Yeah, you know so what I, mean? I mean, good. I was just gonna say. I mean, there there are some names though that you could you know say all right. Well, if we, if we didn't get Real Muto, we can invest in another name. I'm I mean if you talking about that that of course nullifies the whole draft pick idea, right? Because you're you're just giving it up right after you get one. Exactly. But but, but yeah, I guess that, that's part of the, the the discussion here is who could you sign after that? That would be a nice addition and, and where's the well, room is Nola like
2: that? is Nola under contract for many more years? I forget. Yeah, Nola, Nola's Nola's set. They is. just
0: assigned him to an extension last year. So um, okay. So yeah, so they have they have good control of Aaron Nola for years. Right. Um you know, he signed a four-year extension before last season. So um some people actually thought it was not a lot of money cuz there's an option for a fifth year and it's only for 56.75 million. Um but yeah, they he, they're set with him. So um hmm. Smart signing. Yeah, it was very very good signing. You know, they that uh might he's be the be like best move. <laughs> Yeah, actually, that'd be our—or maybe maybe trading for Real Muto is his best move when this is all said and done,
1: huh? Yeah, hey, Ooh. it's just so interesting to think about. And then it would be crazy. You know how Philadelphia this would be. JT Real Muto does leave. The Phillies don't get anything in return out of trade or anything. He just leaves with free agency. And then Sixto Sanchez becomes Justin Verlander or becomes Clayton Kershaw or this big-name star. That would really be Philadelphia Phillies. I can only imagine the outrage.
2: Yeah, that would keep the uh, sports radio uh, going for a few weeks. There, I could see that. Get the yeah. calls, calls piped in. This is a. I remember years ago, stupid Nate Shearholtz.
0: People were mad they didn't resign him because he had a good <laughs> stretch for for like a month when he. I don't even remember where he played after that, but he quickly faded away. So yeah, they were all. Every time somebody does something that le, after they leave town, it's always a big point of contention. But, 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 but Bryce Harper. Let's talk about Bryce Harper for a second because he's being very, very vocal about signing JT Romuto shouting it after he hits a home run which by the way Romuto didn't even finish rounding the bases in scrimmage Yeah that's for that's <laughs> he not a the first that's I mean come yeah. on you're not going to hustle around <laughs> the bases that's not a Philly guy <laughs> So but anyway Bryce Harper yells sign him he has posted on Instagram a pizza where there's it says sign JT on the, the pizza uh, so Harper's being very very vocal do you, do you what do you think about that and, and and will
2: that even make a difference in this situation I think Harp knows how to play to an audience, a Philadelphia audience. I think he does a very good job of that. And um, I think times are changing. When I was uh, coming up as a beat writer in sports, uh, you know, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, it was considered very taboo for an athlete to comment on a fellow athlete's contract, especially on his own team. But that's usually because, guys were using other guys to complain to management. Hey, he gets paid this. Why don't I get paid that? It was usually because there was uh, acrimony. This is a different situation where you see a player supporting the signing of another player, but, and also in this era of social media and players getting more familiar with each other, it's become more acceptable. So I think it's a little bit cartoonish, um, but I, I don't sit at home saying, Oh, what a terrible thing Bryce Harper is doing. I do think his reputation as a, as a team guy and everybody loves him, helps him out in that regard. Um, Certainly if someone's speaking on somebody else's contract and you don't like that guy, you know, then it becomes an issue.
1: Yeah. I don't like it. And I love Bryce Harper. Obviously. I think he does everything right. Essentially. I just, I don't like this though. I just feel like, You know, you let the managers, the GMs, and and the owners like let them do what they're supposed to do. I get he's being a good teammate, he's showing the love for one of his guys, and it could really bring the locker room together in that aspect. So you know, they look at Bryce like, damn, this guy really wants us here. He's got that that love for us, which is awesome. But at the same time, if I'm upper management, I'm kind of thinking like, dude, shut up. You know, like let me do my job. We got you here. Like we'll take care of this. We'll do what we need to do. Let us do our job. I just feel like with Bryce Harper, his job is Mm -hmm. to play
2: baseball. With Matt uh,
1: I, and John Middleton, their job is to sign players.
2: I agree. And I'll add to this with you, Hunter. Even though I said it doesn't like agitate me, I think it does create a very difficult precedent for Bryce Harper now, who's going to be with this team for the next, for what, 12 more years, that every decent player or good player who deserves a contract, is he going to vouch for them the same way he did for JT? And if he doesn't, is that going to come back on him? In three years from now, if the Phillies don't pay somebody, Who's a good player is, uh, you know, is, is, are people going to go to Bryce Harper? Go. why aren't you, what are you doing? You're not even saying anything about the guy and you can't just say it's, it's management now, but five years ago, you were trying to be a big cheerleader for JT real Muto. So I think it, he doesn't realize it, but it's going to put a a target on his back down the road. I remember he was all about Mike Trout.
1: Yeah, yep. The Mike Trout. Like, what happens with, with Reese Hoskins down the road? Like, is he going to go to bat for Reese Hoskins? What if Reese Hoskins struggles, doesn't have what he once had when he first came into the league, and now right. Bryce is a little quiet? Now, what is the speculation around that?
0: hmm. Yeah, you can't keep attaching yourself to players left and right. I mean, or somebody might feel slighted. You know, I mean, people have feelings, right? So it's, it's very, very interesting take that. Harper has, but, but didn't they sign him to be sort of the voice of the team for a long time? I mean, and it doesn't, as you said, Jeff, he's playing to the fans, but but what else can he do when he's here for that
2: long? I mean, should he just be, yeah, I don't know or... if management cares that much, Frank. I mean, they, I think, you know, it, it is what it is to them. Right. I think they would probably like the fact that Philly is embracing it. I think for Bryce though, it's going to become problematic down the road and he might regret doing it now if he experiences backlash because he's not doing the same for another player so
0: what happens then if they don't sign jt let's say they are not successful with this then what what's 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 the uh what's the recourse i mean make sure you allocate
2: that money correctly
0: yeah, I mean, what, what, I mean, publicly, he's gonna have to say something, right? Does is he now required to say something if Romuto signs somewhere else? I think oh, you mean you Bryce the, Harper? Yeah,
1: he'll give you that yeah. player, the player speak answer. Where you know, I mean, it would be interesting, even if he does it the right way and he says like, "Hey, I'm a little disappointed," but and then he kind of goes on from there. I think we still grab that headline that Bryce Harper is a little disappointed in John Middleton and Matt Clentak. That's how this all works. So. You know, if he does make a statement and he's going to have to be really picky and choosy with what he's actually saying because the slightest thing, even if he says it in the right tone, you know it will get pulled out of
0: context. Mm-hmm. Well, gentlemen, by the time we chat next week, there will be three scrimmages played. They're going to play Washington on Saturday. They're going to be at home against Baltimore Sunday and then head up to New York and face the Yankees. Are these televised? At Yankee Stadium. As of now, no, but who knows? I-, I think these are still kind of like New, <laughs> yeah. so maybe we'll get so, some
1: uh, reporting from the up top there, like at Citizens Bank <laughs> Park, that we're seeing right now from everyone, and we'll just kind of have to squint and maybe zoom in on the iPhone to see who's actually playing.
0: I'll I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, just just one more thing before we close out, the, the, right, especially when there's no scrimmages. I mean, even when the scrimmages are playing, they're kind of silly because, you, again, you have you know Andy Abad playing shortstop, you know, a coach, you know, uh, but you can't really see what's going on like if you're there to cover the game you have to sit in the upper deck like they don't let you down below and then you got to have the interviews via zoom anyway so it's it's an interesting situation so i'm heading down shortly after this uh i don't know what i'm gonna do (laughs) but
1: just take a lot of videos frank yeah a lot of videos the crack (laughs) of the bat is gonna sound smooth i bet in an empty ballpark though
0: Yeah, Yeah, they can hear everything the players say from the press box. So, you know, so (laughs) sign JT that 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 was not just among the players. You know, Brace Harper said that knowing that in the press box, everybody seated there would hear it. So, well, we'll have live action Phillies next time to talk about. Hopefully we'll have a better idea as to what's going on. But opening day is next week. Can you believe that? Does that sound right? Opening day is next week. Nope. Can't wait. (laughs) Well, as has been the case the last several weeks, a lot can change in week. But when we come back next week, we will talk about it. This has been the Powder Blue Podcast. Frank Close, Jeff Mosher, Hunter Brody. You have a wonderful week.